are you really planning to go through the West Brom game without KDB? Yeah, because I I don't feel it's worth it to make a transfer out from Salah to KDB just for this one week. And I think over the next few weeks, Salah will still outscore KDB. So I'm sticking, you know, putting my faith in Salah. Oh, this is big. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the FPL Banger Podcast. This is the preview for game week 13 and game week 14 and I'm joined once again by Sam. Sam, how was game week 12 in a very quick nutshell? In a very quick nutshell, it was pretty bad for me. <laughs> I ended up with a score of 44, then taking into account the 4 point hit, so it's a, a score of 40, which is really bad really below the average, I dropped my rank to 1 mil. So just in one game week, dropped me pretty far. Barely had any attacking returns. Highest scoring player in my team was Salah with 8 points. Got a couple of 5s here and there. Sun with a 5, Creswell, Ings, DCL with 5s, and the rest are all, you know, two threes, ones. All in all, pretty bad this week. You're not the only one, Sam. I didn't have a great week either. I had 59 after minus 4, 55. I sold Jamie Vardy for a hit, so that was really painful. But I brought in Salah and I captained Salah. I was always going to do Salah versus Fulham. Let's not spend too much time reviewing the game week because, you know, it is what it is. And I've had a slight red arrow down to 600k. But, you know, game week 13 right around the corner, then game week 14. So we fixed that situation now. Let's get straight into it. The agenda for today. It's going to be a quick pod because we are recording 24 hours before the game week 13 deadline. So the agenda for today is... KDB versus Bruno for game week 13. We're going to talk the captaincy. We're also going to talk captaincy for game week 14. We'll talk about Kane and Son continuing to deliver. And lastly, Jota replacements. Let's start off with KDB and Bruno Sam. Game week 13 captaincy. Two standout contenders this week. KDB against West Brom at home. Bruno away at Sheffield United. I have KDB and Bruno. You've got Bruno. Where do you want to go this week? Do you even need to ask? I think we reach a point where you know what I'm going to say and even our followers on Twitter seem to know that I'm going to choose Bruno, without a doubt. And I got a feeling you are you, you can't even argue this week. It's Bruno against um, Sheffield, who have been dire the entire season. Bruno's away. Um, so with his current away record, it's pretty much... I don't want to jinx it. Okay, but I'll just say that, you know, it's a good chance of him returning points. I'm not going to say it's guaranteed, but a good chance. Doesn't get easier than this, I think, this week. There's a good chance, but it doesn't get easier than this. (laughs) But I will give you some credit, Sam, because we've got a few questions here, right? So we've got FPL Hafiz asking us KDB or Bruno, and FPL Macha's reply was, Sam's going Bruno, Siva will argue. And I resent that because, surprise, surprise, this week... I'm with you, Sam. I'm on the Bruno train. I'll give you some stats as to why. Because for me, what really made my decision up was the Sheffield United performance against Southampton. They lost 3-0. They they only had three shots, none of them on target. They conceded 16 shots. It was just a one, one-way traffic throughout the game. Sheffield United, bottom of the league. Bruno Fernandes looked better for United against City. I felt he was better than KDB, far more involved in the play. If you look at stats, Bruno, since game week 8, beats KDB for non-pen XG by almost double. He also beats KDB for points. He has the highest points since game week 8. Bruno has 
47, KDB only has 32. KDB has not scored a goal from open play this entire season. You keep thinking of KDB as this kind of guy who scores bangers. He's only scored two goals and they were both pens. First against Wolves in game week two and then against Fulham in game week 11. So I don't think that KDB is such a nailed banker against West Brom. And also, we have another question from Vestman. Is KDB going to be rested? Do you think... What do you think, Sam? Is there any chance that Pep rests him? Because the turnaround time for Man City is quite short. They only have two full days of rest. Yeah, I think rotation is one of the big concerns going into game week 13. Uh, with the games being so close to each other. I mean, most of them played Champions League midweek last week and then the game last weekend. Now we have a midweek Premier League game and then another game in the weekend. So... Definitely rotation is a big concern for everyone. Now, Bruno has already been rested in their game against West Ham. Um, he came off the bench at halftime. And I think the way United played, Ole would be pretty worried to try and rest Bruno again, you know. So I feel Bruno just slightly has a higher chance of starting these next few games. Uh, I mean, looking further forward, not just Game Week 13 itself, but... You know, game week 14, 15, 16, there is a chance of rotation in this next few games. Now, City, they have a really strong squad. And although KDB is very essential to their team, and no one quite has the quality that he brings, they still have options. Um, if needed, Pep can rest KDB and have decent backups. Whereas for United there is a lower chance of that as we have seen. You know, Bruno is literally our only attacking force forward. So even if they're rested, I think there's a good chance Bruno comes on at 45 minutes or something like that. And I think in these next few games, I would rather have a player who, you know, has a chance of playing every game, even though it might be just 45 minutes, rather than being benched totally. Um, imagine if you captain KDB and he didn't play the entire game at all and you end up with zero and your wife may not be the most ideal choice. So that's why I think Bruno is slightly safer to captain in these next few weeks. Are you concerned that West Brom at home for City might be an easier opponent as opposed to Sheffield United? I think there's a lot of, uh, shall I say, bias from last season. We think of them as a tough uh, side to break down, very defensive, they fight a lot. Whereas West Brom, you know, lost 5-1 to Palace a few weeks ago. That being said, they conceded four of those five goals after going down to 10 men. You know, would you be scared that City are just going to run up a big score? I think West Brom has been quietly doing quite well the, the last few games. They still, I mean, haven't really won. Um, but they have been giving, up, b- giving a bigger fight than people give them credit. Way more than um, a team like Sheffield has been playing the last few games. So, I do think it is not as easy as people see on on paper. But, that said, City is still City. They still have a chance of running right against anyone. But like I said, my concern is that this might be the game... West Brom is probably the easiest game in the next few weeks. And this might be the game that Pep decides to rest KDB. And if not this week, then maybe the next week or something like that. So, there's just always a risk there. But yeah, I do feel that West Brom actually has been doing quite well, actually. More than people give them credit for. I will agree with that because they lost 1-0 to United, 1-0 to Spurs. And I remember, we, you know, I captained Kane for the Spurs match. 
and West Brom fought really hard. They only conceded in the second, you know, on eighty nine minutes. And to your point about KDB potentially being rested, while City have so many other options to call from Bernardo, Mares, Sterling, Foden, Torres. Who do United bring from the bench? You know, Van der Beek. He doesn't even want to play Van der Beek. So, if you're talking talisman, I, I just don't see a, an argument around Bruno this week, unless you think Sheffield United are suddenly going to discover some form. They were atrocious against Southampton. They conceded three. Could have been more. Yeah, I think Bruno is just the standout captain C option this week, and I know sometimes people try to be cheeky, you know, and try and find another player who who, you know, has a good haul, you don't want to pick the most popular captain, right? To get a little bit of differential. But I think this week, Bruno just stands out too much from everyone else. It'll be really hard to bank on someone else doing better than him this week. We have a question from Fluid Football asking us, who is the best option if you don't have Bruno or KDB this week? Personally, for me, I would give one of the Southampton assets a look, either Che Adams or Danny Ings, because they play Arsenal. Arsenal, while not conceding a lot of chances, are conceding goals and just look really poor, so short on confidence. Converse that with Southampton, who just look really confident at the moment. I don't look fancy the other options. I don't really fancy Salah against uh, Spurs and vice versa. I don't fancy Kane or Son. Anyone you would look at, Sam? No, actually. Um, same with you. I am... Um... Liverpool against Spurs is a, it's going to be a tough match. You have Moreno's tactics. At the same time, you can be sure Liverpool may be able to find a way through, but it just doesn't seem like it's going to be a high-scoring game. So aside from City or United, just like you said, I would maybe only put on Southampton. Even then, they're playing away against Arsenal, who, although Arsenal has not been scoring, they haven't been conceding a lot either. You have Chelsea, maybe, if you want to take a punt on them. But based on last week, they didn't really click well. Vardy maybe is an option against Everton, who we thought were really leaky at the back, but they managed to keep a clean sheet against Chelsea last weekend. So it's not so clear-cut this week. What would you say to people, because we're in an easy position, Sam, we already have Bruno, but what about people, for instance, who are on Salah? We have a question here from the Khan asking us, should he move Salah to KDB this week? Now, my personal view is I would not do that. I think Salah is the guy you want long-term. Yeah, same same with you. I think chasing points week by week with premium options is, is not advisable. It's not a really good strategy. You miss out on too many hauls. Because the thing with premiums is that even in a bad fixture, they can score. You know, against Spurs this coming uh, game week, it might end 2-1 in Liverpool's favour and Salah might score 2 and still score big. So I don't think it's really worth chasing around week by week. Looking ahead to game week 14, I think game week 13, you and I are fairly uh, clear on where we stand. We are going with Bruno. Looking ahead to game week 14, I don't feel like there are any standout captaincy options. Liverpool are at Palace, City at Southampton, United are hosting Leeds. Between all these three, uh, I really can't pick anyone who sort of stands out to me. Yeah, agreed. Um, you have United against Leeds. so And Leeds have been quite leaky, so that might be a good option. That said, Bruno and United as a whole, for some reason, haven't been playing well at home. We played so much better away. But of course, you know, if we do score a goal, you can pretty much be sure that Bruno will be involved somehow. 
I would consider Liverpool away against Crystal Palace. Crystal Palace kind of boogie team for Liverpool, but I think they might be able to do well. Uh, I mean, the the gulf in quality is just too big. So Liverpool is an option. You have City against Southampton too, who Southampton have been quite solid at home, but they always have a potential to to concede big, you know, if things go City's way. So that might be an option too. I think aside from these three, the other teams are not really appealing. Spurs against Leicester and Leicester is a pretty have a pretty solid defense as well. On their day, I think we mentioned in the previous part that Leicester can be really inconsistent. On their day, they can do really well, just like how they did last weekend. But then they have the potential to just play really badly somehow. Agreed. I mean, uh, losing two one to Fulham and then beating Brighton three 0 is exactly the kind of thing that Leicester are capable of doing. It's just too hard to predict them. They could beat Spurs, they could lose, we don't know. I tended, you know, I would probably go with Bruno unless something really bad happens against uh, Sheffield United because Bruno at home to Leeds, we talked about this after the pod last week. Bruno went to Leipzig, United lost, and Bruno still gets one goal and one assist. And despite United playing so badly. Whereas with KDB... I just have this feeling that even if he's going to do well, the points may be shared around. There's so many other guys in the team, Sterling, Mares, Jesus. He may not get all the points, whereas Bruno's always involved. I'm really surprised to hear you talking so big about Bruno and the fact that you're going to choose Bruno for captain two weeks in a row. I guess my, my 15-minute rants the past few weeks have finally got through to you. It, it's it's not your rants. It, it, it is the stats. That's what's really pushing me towards it. It's the fact that Bruno's non-pen XG is so much higher. And also, I think watching United City that day, I was just so impressed by how Bruno was far more involved. Even Pogba, who suddenly decided to show up, they were far more involved. KDB had one big chance. But apart from that, I felt like he did nothing. Now, you can argue because it's a derby, maybe it was just 2kg. But I really felt like Bruno looked more likely to do something. And he almost had a pen. He had a pen which VAR took away from him. And the moment he got that pen, I thought, oh, it's another Bruno Hall. I just don't have that same kind of confidence with KDB at the moment. Yep, agreed. Which is kind of why I don't have KDB right now. He might come back to bite me really badly this week. But yeah, I don't have KDB actually. Well, that's quite brave because I have KDB, so it's easy for me to say all these things. Are you really planning to go through the West Brom game without KDB? Yeah, because I, I don't feel it's worth it to make a transfer out from Salah to KDB just for this one week. And I think over the next few weeks, Salah will still outscore KDB. So I'm sticking, you know, putting my faith in Salah. So before we go on to Jota, I want to talk about Kane and Son. Kane and Son are doing this thing where on a Friday and a Saturday, you have a green arrow. And then on a Sunday, they come and take it away from you. I have Son and it's not stopping this. Kane comes in and gets nine points against Palace with the jammiest of goals, although to be fair, he has a really good chance at the end, which Guaita saves. They continue to return. These supposedly tough fixtures don't seem to have affected them. And now the fixtures are starting to get easier. You just sold Kane this week, Sam. Both of us still have Sun. Are you regretting that move? And do you go- are you going to bring Kane right back in? Of course, um, in the short term, it does seem like a regret. I had to sell Kane to bring in Salah. If it wasn't for ZX injury, I would actually have stayed another week with Sun and Kane and Ziyech and then only make the move to Salah or KDB or something this week but because of Ziyech's injury I had no choice I had to do it so I had to get rid of Kane very reluctantly 
if I had a choice, I would probably try and keep Kane around the entire season. But, you know, things happen. Plans have to change. You have to be flexible. But, of course, in the short term, it seemed like a bad move. Wilson, who I brought in for Kane, didn't return. Before this game week, he was involved in 91% of all Newcastle attacking returns. Uh, now, you know, and he chose this week <laughs> to suddenly let other people score. And it's actually a bit of a concern because if you watch the match or, you know, if you read up on the tactical positionings and stuff like that, he has been playing deeper the past few, uh, few games. He sort of has uh, pulled back a bit, kind of like in a Kane-ish role. And letting Almiron and Joe Joe Linton um, <laughs> cut in in front of him, so it is a bit of a concern. Their fixtures, they have two more good fixtures, and after that it turns. And I think if he continues to play like this, and and uh, it doesn't seem like you know he's getting back to being the focal point of the attack, then we have to consider taking him out for those of you like me who have Wilson. I know we're supposed to be talking about premiums now, but you know I'm just putting that in because I do think some of us have Wilson, some of us. But yeah, just so in a short, short term view, it looked like a bad move. But I think long term, I had to get rid of Ziyech. Wilson does have good fixtures coming up. Salah, who I managed to bring in, also I have faith in him returning uh, over the next few weeks. So long term, I hope that that move will pay off. But yeah, it is a concern not having Kane especially after watching the game he just seems so involved he could have had a big haul like you said Goita had an immense game actually made a few really really good saves so it could have gone a lot more and I think one of the worrying things watching it was Kane could have got a big haul but Sun kind of never really looked threatening uh, watching the game he was kind of involved in the build-up but never towards the end but, you know, it's hard, it's hard to tell this kind of thing. So next game, Sun could, you know, be on to two counters supplied by Kane and scoring two goals. Who knows? I wonder if there's something to think about in terms of should we look at the type of game they play? Because against Arsenal, they were playing deep on the counter. That seemed to favour Sun. Against City, the same. Whereas against Liverpool, also, you would expect it to be the same. Spurs will probably sit back, try and hit them on the counter. Whereas against these so-called smaller teams, that may not be the case. It may favour Kane more. I don't know. Um, you say that, but Sun did haul against Southampton. Four goals. Okay, you could say that's an outlier. But then he did haul against West Ham. He did haul against uh, Burnley, who are teams who sit deep. So I don't think it's that much of a concern. It's just, you know, you have some games where you're really on form and some games where you're so-called less on form in an FPL point of view. But in real life, he actually was really involved in the build-up, so it was good. You can't expect yeah. him to haul every game. <laughs> <laughs> and, and to be fair, like I, have my midfield, I have KDB, Bruno, Salah, and Son. There's no way I can get Kane into my team without taking one of those guys out. And I don't really want to take any of those guys out. I had Bamford, DCL, and Che Adams. And they all returned this week. Che Adams had eight points, which is decent when you look at... You, know, you could have rest. had a lot more if Ings... Yeah, that, know, that Ings, was hard Ings, for us to watch, yeah. right? I had Ings, you had Adams. Ings had two big chances, really big one-on-ones, which on a normal day, you would always bank on Ings to score. He's a really good finisher. Just an off day for him, but it robbed um, Adams off another two assists, I think. Both of yeah. it were supplied by Adams. So yeah, Adams could have had a big haul, and so 
could have inks. Didn't turn out that way, but it's encouraging watching their play, you know. Can be sure over the next few weeks, Ings will score here and there. And Ings actually created a few good chances too for Adams. So it dispersed, I mean, the Southampton attack does look promising. And to come back to your Wilson point, this is again one of the reasons why I still feel like, I said this in the last part, budget forwards for me are the way to go. You have alternatives to Kane in the budget range. You don't have the same sort of, you know, variety of options when you talk about budget midfielders. Who, you know, if you if you get rid of Sun, who are you going to get? You know, Rafinha, Bowen, they're all okay, but I would much rather have Bamford, Adams, you know, if I have the money, I go up to Ings. Yeah, we're supposed to talk about premiums now, but we kind of digressed <laughs> into to budget mids and budget forwards, which is actually the top, the next point, right? Talking about Jota I, replacements. Yes, so let's, let's you know, since we sort of slipped uh, into that. Wait, let's, let's, let's finish up on the premiums first. Or have we finished up? I think we've sort of agreed that you can't have... It's uh, it's difficult for anybody who doesn't have Kane and Son at the moment to jump them right back into your teams. So just, you know, you've got other premiums. Hopefully they haul and wait for the time. Don't tear your team apart to get Kane and Son right back in. You just sold them. So you got to sort of, you know, sit on that and try and attack other fixtures. Look at City against West Brom. Look at United. And, you know, Game Week 16 is where I'm considering getting Kane back in to double up with Son again. And if I do that, I'll have to sacrifice someone. You just can't have all the premiums. Yeah. I think it's not a question of will Kane Hall or not. It's more that will Salah plus your budget forward, example, Wilson or Adams, Hall more than Kane plus whoever your mid was that you upgraded to Salah. So you have to look at it. Um, and not only in the, in the next week, but over the next few weeks, you know, a slightly more longer term point of view. So I wouldn't stress too much about, you know, when Kane does score, because we're not, we never said that he won't. It's more that we think that this other combination will be able to score more points than your current combination. Agreed. So since we sort of digressed a bit, let's jump into the topic that we wanted to go on to, which was Jota replacements. We have questions from Jen asking advice for Jota replacement and a question from Kushairi asking us to tell him the best Jota replacement because of the lack of options at the price range. Now, there are some options that I looked up, you know, preparing for today's pod. Jared Bowen, who we talked about last week, got an assist this week from a corner to Thomas Suchek. He's on 50% of corners for West Ham. The other half goes to Aaron Cresswell. But an interesting thing is, I noticed Bowen has not taken any free kicks this season. Cresswell takes almost all of them. And Cresswell also assisted this week. Thomas Suchek is the cheaper option. He's only 5.0, scored three goals in the last five weeks. We talked a lot about Suchek in the first few weeks of the pod, Sam. And then both of us sort of went off him. We had better things to do. If you are going for a West Ham asset, some people even asking me about Saeed Ben Rama, who just started this week, didn't do anything. Who would you go for? And they have a double game week, by the way, in game week 19. Oh, yeah, yeah, they do. But they have a blank in 18, right? Yeah, that's how so they get the double. you navigate through that. So I wouldn't load up on them now. Maybe save your chances and then try and load up during the double game week. Because if not, you'll be stuck doing the blank. Anyway, Ben Rama, I really think he's a good player, but not haven't really nailed down his spot. He just started this week, but you got to wait till he starts, you know, a few games in a row and, and shows indication that he's really nailed down his spot. That said, he had really good stats in the championship last season. In fact, almost the whole Brentford team uh, really dominated in terms of attacking returns. Watkins was in Brentford too. So, you know, that's an indication. But I wouldn't jump on Benrama right now. 
if you're talking about West Ham assets, I will still stick with my boy Bowen, who I've rated since the pre um, game week one pot that we did. I already shout him out, and I do think it's good. Oh, he's not gonna haul. He's not gonna haul big, and he's not gonna return very consistently. But I think for his price, you know, he'll chip in here and there with an assist, a goal here and there. Might be a decent option to have if you're looking for a budget mid. It definitely, I did consider him when Ziyech was injured, just going down to Bowen. In the end, I decided to move up to Salah. But yeah, I do rate Bowen. Would you not consider going Suchek over Bowen? Because Suchek, highest non-pen XG of any West Ham asset. He's cheaper. It allows you to get another premium. Yeah, I think for his price, it's great. I just, I don't know. <laughs> I even even last season, right when he was scoring, you know, a bunch of haters, which he does now. But to me, it's just really limited. You're just wishing for that one corner or you know free kick, and for him to hit it in. It's kind of if the scenario doesn't come across, he doesn't have any potential to score. Do you know what I mean? Whereas I will say he's more involved in the attack, you know, aside from the dead ball situations, like, I mean, aside from corners, he's also involved in their open play attacks. So I think there's a higher chance of a return from Bowen. But you're going to disagree with me right now. <laughs> Actually, ahead. no, I wasn't going to disagree with you. I was just going to say that Suchek only scores sweaty goals. I mean, he scored a goal against United. He was, what, standing in front of the goal line? He's that kind of player. So... Yeah. He's and he's gonna frustrate you because he gets a lot of chances and he misses a lot of them. So you it's probably best if you get him in, don't watch the games. I think it really depends on the structure of your team. I have no issues if you go Bowen versus Suchek. Suchek perhaps is someone you can probably place on the bench occasionally at that price point. Bowen yeah. maybe not. And I think at his price there is no other option that's as good as him. No other five point mid in the game will have as many goal scoring chances as he does. So if, you know, you're strapped for budget and you only have money for a 5.0 mean, I think it's a decent option to have. It's interesting you say that because we have a question from Spy on Klopp and she's asking us, if you're going to take a three-week punt on a fuller mid, would you go for Lukman or Cavaliero? Lukman is 5.0, Cavaliero is 5.3. Lukman, despite no longer being on pens since the miss against West Ham, one goal and two assists since game week nine, Cavalero is on pens. He scored a pen against Leicester. Fulham are starting to finally look like a proper team. You know, they held Liverpool to a 1-1 draw. The fixtures up next are not too bad. Brighton, Newcastle, Southampton. Why would you think the West Ham assets are so much better than Fulham? Well, actually, I, d- I did not realise that Lukman is 5.0. <laughs> so I'm going to take back what I said because I really read Lukman. Partly because he did really well for me on Football Manager in my safe like two years ago or something like that. But also if you watch the games, he's really involved actually. And I think he kind of played kind of like a striker in the previous game. So he's slightly OOP as well. Lukman is really involved in Fulham's attack. And in fact, I would go as far as to say he's pretty much their only attacking threat. Real attacking threat. The other players don't really have the quality that he does. He's really direct. I did not know he was 5. I thought he was 5.5 for some reason. So I'm going to take it back and I actually think that Lukman is a better option than Suchek at 5. That was very quick uh, reverse. <laughs> I I still prefer Suchek. I mean, I'm just looking at quality of team. I trust West Ham more than I trust Fulham. Double game week coming up, I would want a West Ham asset. It feels like an easy move. I get that Lukman is playing well and Fulham have improved, but it's still Fulham, right? <laughs> 
I mean, you could say the same for Newcastle, right? And Wilson. But I, I mean, I get your point. I do get your point that Suchak may only score in certain chances, but he will be getting more of those chances compared to, you know, Fulham. Uh, West Ham will most likely be able to create more attacking chances, have a higher XG as a team. That said, I really like Lukman. He's shaping up to be their talisman for Fulham. So I think both are good options, actually. Let's talk about a few more options. James Ward-Prowse, he is on almost all of Southampton's set pieces. Went close again this week. Vestergaard came really close to scoring from a Ward-Prowse corner. He has the highest points of any midfielder at 64, highest of any midfielder under 7.4, because Zaha on 7.5 is 74. So Ward-Prowse is actually doing quite well. He seems to really nail down his free kicks and corners this season. I mentioned this on last week's pod. The thing I like about Ward-Prowse is he's kind of fixer-proof. He's always going to get set pieces. He can score a set piece in any game. My only issue with him is he takes up a Southampton spot. A lot of us have McCarthy and maybe Adams or Ings. So that, for me personally, I already have two. I don't really want a third. Like you said, Ward-Prowse, dead ball specialist, right? Have a chance for returns with any free kick that he takes and any corners as well with Westergaard there. I mean, Westergaard's huge. That's it. I would rather get Westergaard actually. Which you did mention last week as well. Yeah. And he came really close to vindicating me. In the end, Benadric was the one, the Southampton defender who scored big this week. But Westergaard came close. So, I mean, James Ward-Prowse is not a bad option to have. My problem is when it comes to this kind of players who only can score in certain type of situation, I feel like you're limiting your chances of returns. James Ward-Prowse can't really score in open play. It's all free kicks and corners, right? True. I mean, I don't think he scores many goals from open play at all. And he's not really involved in the attacking phase. If you were to go a bit higher, because the most popular transfer in, as we are recording the pod right now, is Wilfred Zaha with 200k transfers in. Would you consider either Zaha or Grealish, who have almost the same points from the same minutes? Zaha supposedly has mixed fixtures, but Palace really fought hard against Spurs. I think a lot, uh, a much better performance than we were expecting. As far as we know, Zaha's on pens. Grealish, on the other hand, as far as we know, doesn't want to take a pen, even though everyone keeps telling me he's on them. <laughs> Had another chance to take a pen this week and said, no, no, uh, El Ghazi, you take it. Really frustrating as a Grealish owner. So I think, okay, wait, let's talk about Zaha first. Zaha, he's a kind of the talisman of Crystal Palace, although I think as the games are being played compared to the first few games, Palace have been learning to use the other players as well. Um, Ize is actually really good kind of in the same mold as Zaha he's a great ball carrying player you know he's a great dri- dribbler so I think they're starting to lessen the load on Zaha so to speak good for their team not necessarily very good for Zaha's FPL potential plus they have pretty mixed fixtures I'll go even as far as to say tough fixtures so there's West Ham in game week 13 followed by Liverpool then Villa, Leicester, Sheffield, Arsenal, City. It's not the easiest of fixtures coming up. So not really too keen on Zaha. Now Grealish, I mean I'm a big fan of Grealish since the start. So I think, but most people already have Grealish, I think. If you don't, he still is the chief creator in the Aston Villa team who have been really solid attacking wise. They have good fixtures coming up for the next three games. Burnley, West Brom and Crystal Palace. After that, it gets a bit tougher with Chelsea, United, Spurs. 
But if you write those three fixtures, then you have a bunch of good fixtures coming up. Everton, Burnley, Southampton, West Ham, Arsenal, Brighton. So it sounds good. Plus, they have two games in hand right now, I think, which is great. So Grealish is, should be an option if you don't really have him. You should heavily consider getting Grealish. Talking about the pants, right? So he gave it up to El Ghazi, who apparently has been known to be a good penalty taker all along. The problem is that he El Ghazi is not nil on the pitch. So I think what their manager said was that El Ghazi will take it from now on if he's on the pitch. If he's not, then he'll go back to Grealish. Watkins have been confirmed to be off penalties. Rightfully so, I think. I just don't feel confident about Grealish. I mean, I sold Grealish uh, for the blank and I got in. Uh, basically, that's how I sort of eventually got Salah in. I don't feel anxious to get Grealish back in. I saw the Villa-Wolves game. Villa as a whole didn't really threaten Wolves until the very end. And I just don't like it if a player has an opportunity to take a pen and he doesn't want to take it. This is a game-winning pen and he says, nah, man. It wasn't like Zabel Ghazi was, you know, I want to take it. It's not a Richarlison, Sigurdsson situation where somebody's trying to grab the ball. Grealish just, you know, uh, no thanks, man. You go for it. Same thing he did with Watkins. And I just, if he's not actively clamoring to take it, if he's not demanding to take it, I don't think he's going to actually take it. Grealish doesn't actually have a track record of scoring pens. In the championship, I think he only took one and he missed it, if I'm not wrong. So I'm not that keen on Grealish. I think if you have Grealish, you hold because the fixtures are good and you've got the doubles. But I wouldn't jump in on Grealish at this moment. To be honest with you, I just don't see that kind of form. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't rush to get him in right now. But if you're looking for a midfield player at that price range, I think Grealish is the standard option. In that price range, at least. What about James Madison? 16 points this week. Looked amazing. Two goals. 7.0. Madison, if this is your first season playing FPL, you might not understand what I'm saying. But for those of you who have been playing the past few years, you will know that Madison is really streaky. Right? He would score big one game, go on four uh, four game weeks without scoring, score another big haul, maybe two games in a row, and then go another five, six games without hauling. It's just the, the way that he plays. And all of his goals are always bangers. He has a really good long shot, really good with free kicks as well. So his XG stats is always really bad and it always seems like he's overperforming. I remember that kept me off uh, Madison a lot last season because I felt like, oh, how many bangers can you score in a season? Turns out quite a lot. So <laughs> so yeah, I mean, he's, he's going to be a fast, frustrating asset to have if you want to go for Madison. He's going to return you big points some weeks and blanks many weeks. So a word of caution if you're considering medicine. So I think we'll just summarize what we've discussed. If you're talking about bargain basement replacement for Jota in the 5.0 range, we'd say you'd say Lukman as your first choice, Suchek a close second. If we move it up to 6.5, you'd say Bowen as your first choice, maybe Ward Prowse beneath that. And if we're talking 7.5, that range, Grealish first, and then second to Grealish, would you say Zaha or Madison? I would say Zaha, purely because he's kind of involved in his team and he's on pants, uh, like we mentioned. I think Mili is still probably the first choice pen taker, but Mili is not nil anymore. Doesn't play every game like he used to in previous seasons. So if Mili is not there, then Zaha is their first choice penalty taker. Yeah, and I think Zaha actually makes a strong case to take away pens from Mili because Zaha, 
you know, exactly the opposite of Grealish has, you know, basically demanded to take pens. He is the talisman. They want to keep him happy. I think there's a better chance Zaha keeps the pens. Let's uh, move on. Sam, what do you think about just uh, very quickly Werner replacements? We talked a bit about budget forwards earlier. So we have a question from FPL Cabby asking us if Werner to Ings is a good move. Timo Werner, we said this last week. This is not the time to go in on him. You know, I've had him and I've sold him. And one shot off target, XG of 0.1. He Chelsea just didn't turn up against Everton. The people who had chances were Mount and James, not Werner. Would you sell Werner now if you had him? And best replacements, would you say Ings is far and away the best replacement? It's tough, right? Because Werner always kind of gets himself into positions. Or not this week, but in previous weeks. He gets himself into positions where he should score, but he doesn't. So on one hand, you're like, oh, his finishing is so bad for so many weeks in a row. You gotta sell him. He's just blanking every week. On the other hand, you could be like, the moment he starts getting more confident and finishing better, he's gonna start hauling. I think if you have Werner, if there's nothing more pressing in your team, then you can sell him. Definitely, it's a good move. But if you have other more pressing issues, it's it's not ideal, but I think it's okay to keep him because I feel that he's more nailed in the Chelsea team um, compared to some of the option, other premium options. Don't really think they can rotate him because of their injury crisis right now. They don't really have many wingers that are fit. So he's pretty much nailed this next few games. But I guess if you're nailed by only scoring one point, then there's <laughs> not much use keeping them anyway. So yeah, uh, that would be my take anyway. If you don't like one to take a minus four, then it's okay to keep Werner if you have other more pressing issues in your team. Now, speaking about replacements, Ings, I'm a big fan of Ings. And at his price, I don't think there are any other options right now. So Ings would be my first choice replacement. If you want to go even further lower, you want to go into the budget forwards, then Adams would be my first choice. I think the Southampton attack as a whole just shows the most promise with attacking returns. After Adams, then, you know, you can consider the other options. Watkins, you have Wilson, and you have Bamford. Like I said earlier, Wilson, the way Newcastle have been playing, I wouldn't necessarily transfer Wilson in right now. So I would hold off on him. So maybe Bamford or Watkins then. I will put Bamford as my second choice budget striker right now. I like that, you know, Bamford and Adams both look good this week. Adams, like you said, you know, could have had two assists if Ings had put away those chances. Ings being back will only improve Adams as an FPL asset. And you can't uh, sit here and think that I have Adams, you have Ings. I don't think Adams can cover your Ings, but I think he will tick along for his price point and that extra 2.5 million will help me do other things. Yep, yep, definitely. We're not saying that Adams is going to outscore Ings. But like you said, he's still going to do pretty well for his price. Uh, if Ings scores, I mean, the whole team just plays better as a whole and you could do a lot with a 2.5. I banked it on Inks. I just feel like it would justify that extra 2.5. But, you know, you went for Adams and it's just a different way of playing. That's all. No right or wrong. Let's move on to Defenders before we close up because we're trying to make this a quick pod so people have time to listen to it. So we've got a few questions here. First one from Rajveer asking us if we see Chelsea being more vulnerable in defense with the keeper making a mistake this week. I'll answer that very quickly. No, I think Chelsea is still a strong defensive unit. Mendy did make a mistake clattering into DCL and giving away the penalty. But Chelsea have had so many clean sheets this season. Mendy has had five clean sheets in eight games. So I think you just relax. If you've got Chelsea double defense, like you did, Sam, 
I think you just hold on and relax. I think next week, you know, you'll have better weeks. Yeah, I agree. It's hard to hold the knees, right? <laughs> I I did consider it a lot too. Um, just you know, in my mind, just thinking, you know, maybe I should let go of one of the Chelsea defenders. I think you know it's a bit short sighted. They just didn't get a clean sheet the past two games, but they had it for how many games in a row? Five clean sheets in the past eight games. So, like you said. I think it's worth to hold on to. And Reese James does look like a really good option. I'm really glad that I brought him in. He hit the post this week and got really close. Uh, he's really involved in the Chelsea attack, actually. So, really good chance of attacking returns. I'm really happy with Reese James. We've got a question from Nick asking us, coming up, uh, looking at upcoming fixtures, who brings a, a guarantee of clean sheets, uh, Cancelo or James? For me, very simple. One of these dudes is nailed, the other is not. Reese James, I think we can fairly confidently say he's going to play. Cancelo, you you trust Pep? I, I have no faith that Pep is going to play Cancelo week in, week out. Yeah, I mean, that was my big flag against Cancelo in the, you know, in that, that well, two game weeks ago when everyone was trying to bring him in or something like that. And I think we both did mention that, yes, Cancelo is good. He has great stats when he plays. He looks good. But Pep is always prone to rotation. And I think it's because Pep just feel like feels like all his players are good. And I think he said that in a press conference before, right? Yeah. Uh, to us, it seems like Cancelo's miles better against them, but maybe Pep sees something that we don't, and he feels like Mendy is equally as good when he plays. Uh, so, not nil. I wouldn't bring in Cancelo. I think the option you should have been considering is Diaz against Rhys James. Now, this both of them are nil. Both of them has really high clean sheet potential, but I think Rhys James is cheaper one. And secondly, he also has a lot higher potential of attacking returns. So I would still consider Rhys James over DS. Is John Stones a viable pick? 4.8? No, I think... I know Pep has been talking him up a lot. But he does that to a lot of his players that ends up not starting, right? He talks he talks up Cancelo right before he doesn't play. He talks up Foden every week, saying he's the best player in the world, best player since Messi or something like that. But, yeah. So, I wouldn't put too much into it. Uh, there's, they have a lot of options there, you know. Uh, as a second centre-back, Laporte has not been playing at all, which is pretty crazy when you think about it. Because in previous seasons, you would think he's the undroppable. So, I would not consider John Stones at this point. Yeah, I mean, I, I saw Foden this week and I was not surprised at all to see him on the bench. So happy to be rid of him. And I don't care if he plays against West Brom. I, it's just not fun to own assets who you don't know are nailed. I can't keep checking this team sheet every week, you know, and it's it's bad for my blood pressure. So no, John Stones, definitely not. I mean, unless you're someone who enjoys that kind of risk, I don't. Eric Dyer, someone else, uh, Fluid Football asked us about Eric Dyer being viable. I do think Eric Dyer is viable. He started 11 out of 12 games. But it's similar to Diaz. You're only going to get clean sheets with Dyer. He takes free kicks, but he really sucks at them. So yeah, I still did, think Reese James really is better. He really close to scoring last game. It was a really good free kick. I don't know if you saw it, but yeah, it was really good. Yeah, but you're, you're right. He doesn't take free kicks often anyway. I don't know why he took one. But I think it's between Dia, Diaz, Dia, and Reese James. And Reese James just has the most attacking potential out of the three. And all three of them has potential for clean sheets, right? Um, Chelsea, City, and Spurs have been quite solid when it comes to clean sheets. But just the attacking returns from Rhys James ages him over the rest. Agreed. 
And I think we can wrap this up, Sam, because it's just passing the 45 minute mark. We want everyone to listen to this before game week 13. So very quickly, Sam, what transfers are you looking at this week? I am actually really happy with my team, despite them playing badly. So I'm going to take the opportunity to finally get rid of Ryan. I finally feel like, you know, my outfield, my 10 players, they're good. I'm going to leave them there. And I'm going to take the opportunity to get rid of Ryan, man. He's been bad. I know and we said something like, uh, you know, it's not worth transferring between 4.5 keepers and stuff. But that's, I think that only applies if you're, you took one of the average 4.5 keepers. But if you're in the lower range, like Ryan, I think if I had went Martinez or Ryan, it will be something like 20, 30 points ahead. Right now, I think Oof. that's the points gap between them. So, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take the opportunity to get rid of him. Haven't really decided which keeper I'm going to bring in yet. It might be Meslier. Meslier? Meslier? How do you pronounce his name? <laughs> Sam, the number of names you have butchered on this podcast from Bednarek <laughs> to Dyer to... It's, it, I believe it's Meslier, but I'm not French. But yeah, yes, I, I agree yeah. with you. You should, <laughs> you should get rid of Ryan. You're just really unlucky with Ryan because he plays for a team that has very uh, low XGC, but then he doesn't make any saves. Yeah, and it's weird. I think just defense as a whole this year has taken a hit. Aside from the, the teams that I mentioned earlier, Spurs, Chelsea and City, every other team has not been good defensively. And teams that built their identity around around being solid defensively, like Burnley and Sheffield, are really doing bad, if you notice. No, man. Charlie Taylor, a clean sheet against Arsenal. I yeah, was very was confident. first clean sheet against... You know, and it's Arsenal. It's probably the worst attacking team in the entire league right now, except for Sheffield. <laughs> and I think stat-wise, it backs me up. Actually, I'm not just talking shit about Arsenal, you know. It's statistically backed up. But anyway, um, yeah, so Maslia, probably. I might go for McCarthy. I might go for someone higher in the 5.0 range. I haven't really decided yet. All right, Sam. Well, listeners, just you know, keep an eye on our Twitter. We'll, we'll put our transfers there. My transfer is probably going to be uh, either Mitchell or Dunn to Reese James. I have cash to do that. So it gives me a bench option. This playing bench thing that everyone keeps talking to me about, which I really wasn't keen on and we weren't keen on it last week, but then Lam- Lamptey gets you know, left out of the team and I'm playing with 10 again this week, so I need to fix that. So I will be bringing in Reese James. I'll be happy to bench Lamptey and his two pointers. They can sit on my bench. That's all for us this week. Uh, there won't be a second pod before Gaming 14, guys. So just stay tuned to our Twitter if you're looking for updates. Uh, you know, hit us up if you're looking for anything. In the meantime, good luck. Green arrows, people. Let's get them. Oh, this is a thing.